Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Hope you're having a good week so far. I will explain everything in a minute. But first, let's hear a few seconds from today's conversation. I think it's a matter of success and failure. Uh, I see too many instances, unfortunately, and we're talking here about the Israeli example of people and organizations that do cross-cultural communication. They think they're being effective. They think they're in the right direction, but in fact, they're crashing. Hi, I'm your host, Nomi Sharan. Through my coaching and teaching, I've helped hundreds of leaders and teams in leading organizations to communicate confidently and effectively in a global environment. And I'm here with you on this journey to help you master one of your most important skills. Welcome to the Communicate with Confidence podcast. Let's get into it. Have you ever felt misunderstood in a conversation with people from another country? Have you ever felt uncomfortable, confused, when something didn't go well in the conversation? Have you ever felt frustrated, maybe even upset as a result of that? For some people, this problem grows as we advance in our careers. As our responsibilities grow, we are in more and more situations where we interact with people from around the world. What if you could take proactive steps today to improve your performance in these conversations? Today I've invited Ruven Ben Shalom to help us get better at communicating in an international environment. Ruven is a colonel in the IDF reserves where he serves as a military diplomat. He has served as a helicopter pilot and in various international relations positions. And in his civilian role, Reuven consults and teaches cross-cultural communication. By the end of this episode, you will be able to interact more professionally and more successfully in a global setting. You will be more aware of your cultural blind spots, and you will develop a more global mindset. Let's get into it. Reuven. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Nomi. Great to see you. Thank you for being here. Great to see you too. We've known each other for quite a few years now, and I, I just always love talking to you. I can listen to you for hours. So it's so much fun to have this excuse to talk to you today. I'd like to start with making sure we understand what exactly we are talking about. So what is your definition of cross-cultural communication? And what are we not talking about? Well, first, thank you very much for that kind introduction. The respect is mutual, and I learned so much from you, and it's great to be here. Uh, talking about cross-cultural communication, well, first, what is communication? It's people getting together and exchanging ideas, feelings, conveying things in order to achieve something. It, this is difficult between any human beings. But when you have cultural differences, that means people coming from a different background, a different perspective, a different religion, that means their whole, whole worldview may be different. It's much more challenging because it's not sure that the ideas that we are trying to pass to the other side are received in the way that we intended them to be. So that's a huge challenge. It's a big gap that we need to bridge. 
Now, as far as what we're not talking about, from my perspective, we're not talking about being polite. This is not about doing the right thing as far as values, even though we were brought up to think so much about values. And it's good to be polite. It's nice to be nice. But that's not what we're dealing with. We're talking about being professional, being effective and succeeding in what we are trying to do with the partners that we're now collaborating with, talking with. So why is this important? Why does this matter? I think it's a matter of success and failure. Uh, I see too many instances, unfortunately, and we're talking here about the Israeli example of people and organizations that do cross-cultural communications. They think they're being effective. They think they're in the right direction, but in fact, they're crashing. Or the image that I like to view is sitting on a ship, seeing beautiful uh, birds and a beautiful green island, and they have no idea that under the ship there are rocks. The ship uh, hit those rocks. There are holes in the hull, taking in water. We are sinking. We're not reaching any destination. Yet we're sitting on the ship thinking that everything is wonderful. That's why it's important. Because many times we are totally failing with what we're trying to achieve. So we have to master these abilities in order to succeed in the communication and in the collaboration. Wow. So let's talk about these rocks. So, I mean, I'd like to ask you something that I've been meaning to ask you for a very long time. I'm, I'm really curious to hear how you cope with this. I often hear Israelis say, we are authentic. We are straightforward. We're real. What you see is what you get. And many, many Israeli business people have told me that they don't like the American style of communication or the British style because it's hypocritical. It's not real. It's dishonest. Can we, can we talk about this for a minute? Can we unpack this? Because, I mean, I don't even know where to start, how to answer people when they say this, because I feel like there are so many false assumptions here, false beliefs, blind spots, and misconceptions, all of those rocks you're talking about. What do you say to people who, who tell you that? This is a great question. And the funny thing is that for years, I wouldn't even talk about it. But every time I would get this question at the end of a lecture, at the end of a workshop, after talking about all the tools and how to bridge the gaps, someone would say, hey, why do we have to change for them? We're great. We're direct. And by the way, I can explain to you why the Israeli mentality and culture is awesome. You know, directness is great. It saves time. Things are more clear. Yet, What's important to understand is the whole issue of culture has nothing to do with good and bad and right and wrong. All of us are simply points on a scale. Different cultures mean that people were brought up in a different way. They have a different way of doing things. And the British happen to speak in this roundabout, polite manner. Okay, This has nothing to do with the ideas behind it or conveying the ideas in the appropriate way, it's simply calibrated differently. It's aligned in a different way. Once you understand that, that we and them have different scales and those scales simply are not parallel, everything is simple. So for you to understand someone else's culture and change a bit to adapt to that culture means nothing about your own. You are great. We Israelis are awesome, okay? But if we want to communicate effectively with someone else, and not fail in that communication, we have to understand them better. A good example here is if I have an exercise or a meeting with someone, and at the end of the meeting, 
the Israeli says, that was a good meeting. What do we mean by that, Nomi? It was a good meeting. It was a good meeting, right? That's good. Good is good, right? What's the problem? Yet, if the other side comes from a culture that regular politeness is to say, that was a good meeting. And if you tell someone that was a good meeting, it sounds to them as if I'm saying, that was a bad meeting. Because if it was really a good meeting, what, what, would, I, what would I say? That was really wonderful. This was an amazing learning experience, blah, blah, blah. When I say blah, 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 I mean from my Israeli perspective, right? But that's what they expect. That means I tried to say that it was a good meeting. What did the other side hear? That was a bad meeting, which, so, so, which means on. they're insulted, nothing worked out. So, sorry for interrupting, but wait a minute. Give me an example of a culture. Which culture do you mean? That if you, as an Israeli, said that was a good meeting, they would think that was a terrible meeting. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny, Nomi? Almost any other culture. Israeli, we're so different. I think we are the, we're at the edge of the scale from this perspective. I think we're the world leaders in directness. Now, certainly, the Americans and British are different. What's funny is that the Americans, when they talk about themselves, they say that they are direct. Because why? Because they are direct compared to the British. Everything is all in comparison. But for us Israelis, they are all indirect. But take the Chinese, for instance, where you will find no negativity in their words. Nothing is negative. There's no, nobody says no, right? If they want to say no, they'll say yes and lead to a no in a roundabout way, which means that if I talk to someone from China and I tell them no, that may be a serious insult. And if I insulted someone, Am I going to do business with them? Are they going to like me? Are they going to want to collaborate with me? No. So this means nothing about my culture, but I should be professional and know how to calibrate, to change a bit the way I speak in order to be more effective in the outcome of the communication. Okay, hold on. I feel like I'm a little more confused now than I was before. So let's bring this down to earth for a minute. I'm going to ask you to give a few more examples. Um, so if you had to give people actionable, practical advice on how to communicate more effectively in an international cross-cultural setting, what would it be? Um, so is there any like action or mindset or sentences that you know that are like super effective, that have the highest leverage, that work across the board and have the best impact on the conversation? What would you... What tips would you give us? Mm -hmm. Well, that could be a long list of things, but I, I like the, the way you phrased the question because you said a mindset. The mindset has to be that I'm approaching this event, the, the, this event of meeting someone, right? And I have to analyze the situation and define what the goal is. What is the outcome of this meeting? meeting? I many times say this may sound not professional, but I believe this, Nomi, that many times the goal is very simple. At the end of the meeting, I want the other side to say, wow, that's it. The goal is not to sign a contract next week, right? It's not to establish a working group. The goal is very simple, that the other side will say, wow, that was fascinating. These Israeli guys are, are good. They're smart. They're interesting. We should meet them again. These are good partners to work with. That's it. So, wow, that was a great experience. Yes, that's the goal. But again, the main mindset is, there is a goal that's defined, and I can't tell you now what it is, but it's mostly that. It's affecting the perspective of peop that people have on me for the long term, okay? Define the goal, then analyze who these people are, where they come from, what is their culture, what are their objectives, okay? 
And now, what is the appropriate path to take? What should I do or not do with these people in order to achieve that goal? Anything that I do that supports this goal is good. Anything that I do that hurts that goal, right, that damages this goal, don't do it. Why do something that damages your goal? So let's say your colleague is going on a, on a going to, to a conference. What tips do you give them? You have 10 minutes before they get on the flight. What are your practical tips? Do this, don't do that. What would you tell them? Um, many times, believe it or not, when I used to get asked by senior IDF generals 10 minutes before an event, they would say, what do you want me to do? Which is nice, by the way, and modest for them to ask. What do you want me to do? Sometimes I would say, shut up and listen. What do you mean? Shut up and listen. And that means a lot, Nomi, because remember, what is the goal? If the goal is to affect the perspective of the other side, and I shut up and I listen to them and I smile and I show them that I respect them and that what they're saying is very interesting, at the end of the day, they're going to go home saying, these Israelis were so smart. I didn't say one word, but I was so smart. So shutting up and listening sometimes is very effective. And it's not our default mode, is it? Not, not at all. And it's hard to do. So what should, how should we get better at this? What should we do to actually do it well? Because this whole business that we're talking about is counterintuitive. It doesn't come natural. There's actually no way of saying something that will make people say, oh, I understand now. No, it, it's really talking about it like we're doing now, practicing it. I think it has to, has to do with preparing yourself and making decisions for yourself. For instance, you have to decide that half the time you're going to talk and half the time the other side is going to talk. Not exactly 50-50, but yes, it has to be a communication, a dialogue. We Israelis usually come to the table with a mindset that is this. We are great. We are smart. We are successful. Everything we do is wonderful. Therefore, what is the meeting for in the international setting? It's so we can teach them. That to is our mindset. To impress also. To impress and teach them, right? We're great. But that first, that's not true. Okay, that's not true. But even if we are great, if we want good partners, we should at least convey to them we are also here to learn. An amazing term that I learned uh, from Major General Israel Ziv is mutual learning. Mutual learning. The, the word learning for Israelis is so not natural. Yes, we can also learn something. Mutual learning means we can learn together and evolve together. We have to use terminology that conveys this to the other side. We are also here to learn from you. And by the way, if I tell you that I'm here to learn from you, what does that mean? That I respect you. And I think respect is key. But there's also, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I, I completely agree. But I think there's also something else that has to do with communicating in a second language. It's not your native language also gets people to behave in these ways that may seem very narcissistic. And that is that it's hard to put myself in a situation where it's a dialogue because I just want to get it over with. And um, while you're speaking, it's hard for me to listen because very often I'm thinking, what am I going to say next? How am I going to phrase it? Okay, I'm, getting, I'm rehearsing my little pitch in my brain while you're speaking. And I, I see that all the time. People don't listen because... They're stressed out. I agree. I think the, the basic circumstances are very challenging. 
for Israelis that English is not their native tongue, approaching an international environment when sometimes even the topics discussed are complex, terminology is difficult, it's very challenging, which is why we have to talk about these issues and break it down. When I say shut up and listen, for instance, think what a wonderful tool that is. You don't have to say anything, right? So you don't have to think about how to how to say this difficult word. You're just quiet. You're just looking someone in the eye and smiling and nodding, right? So it's easy, yet you are very effective in what you're trying to achieve. So, uh, so I think this has to do with decisions and understanding also that the goal is not showing the other side how smart you are. Now, as far as what you just said now, I think that's a basic problem that our brain will always be engaged in calculating the next move. The only trick that I know, and it's a trick, it's deciding in advance that I will not say something smart after the next sentence is over. How, 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 so what will I do? Say something stupid? No, very simple. I will re- give it back to the other side. Someone says something, I will say, that was very interesting. Uh, I, I enjoy this perspective. I'm learning so much. And so tell me, how did your company cope with that challenge? I'm, I'm very curious to hear. That's it. All, that's all you say. Then the other side goes on and on about what they did. You smile and you nod and you show them that this is interesting. And you really open your mind to listen. Wow. So it's, yeah, so it's more about taking a decision in advance, being very aware, and focusing on, on listening. Right. And, and again, you know, listening to this, it may, it may always go back to, to sound like we're talking about being polite. No, just talking about how affecting the outcome of the communication and not working so hard, because sometimes you can work less hard, but it's much more effective. This is great. So I'm going to pick your brain just a little more. Um, what are some of the most common mistakes Israelis make that you've seen in your career uh, when they communicate with foreigners? Some of the juicy stuff. <laughs> well, so now we talked about the listening and what to say and how to say. I want to talk about the issue of body language. Because in general, in communication, remember, it's not only the words that we say. Some researchers say the words are only 7% of the whole message. A lot of it is what we're conveying with our body, with our tone, even the way we dress. Body language is a crazy thing for Israelis. I think for some reason there is no place in our brain that deals with what our body is doing. I think we sit back in our chairs, we pick our legs up, we scratch if we need to scratch, we look to the sides, we look at our cell phone. People that talk to us feel like we're not there, we're not engaged, we're not listening, and we're not being polite, we're not being respectful, we're not, we're not, we're not good partners. So I think here what we have to do is think about this in advance and sit straight, look people in the eye, don't do anything with your hands, put your cell phone away, but this is crazy difficult. Very, very easier said than done. Another issue is even when we are engaged and we are listening, we should stop trying to convey to the other side different ideas with our hands. One of the things that we do, by the way, it's trying to be positive. We try to show to the other side that we agree, and you know what we do? We say, yeah, uh-huh, right, uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, sure, sure, yeah. And that's not, that's not a good thing? No. Why? Why not? Because it's bothering the other side. It's intervening. It's mm. interrupting all the time. Mm. Just be quiet, nod, smile, listen, and at the end you'll say what you think. All these interruptions 
don't achieve the goal that we think that it achieves. Another thing we do is we try to demonstrate with our hand to the other side something like, yeah, I know this, so you should conclude this because I have something smarter to oh say. Oh my God. That's terrible. Okay. Sometimes, again, it goes back to this mindset of we don't have a lot of time, right? We have a short time. I'm the smart guy here, so why not let me talk? No, no, no need for that. Put your hands down, just listen, smile. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'd like to end on a positive note uh, and ask you one last question. What have you seen people do? If you could give us some examples of things that you've seen people do or that you do yourself that really work well for creating good communication. I think the key word to all of this subject is respect. The more you show respect to people, the more they will go home at the end of the day respecting you and having a good feeling about the interaction. And like we said, ultimately have a good feeling about this cooperation. So it's important to show respect. I'm talking about personally, organizationally, nationally. What do I, what do I mean by organizationally? You could answer some question and you could also add, you know, your uh, company has been doing a great job in this. You are world leaders in this field and we look up to you. Just think how that affects people. They'll be very proud. Nationally, you could say, I don't want to start this meeting before mentioning that just yesterday was your national holiday. Congratulations to your great nation and great country. And it's wonderful to work with you and collaborate with you. That is showing respect and people need respect. A good tip, by the way, is always to remember whatever we Israelis feel that respects us also respects others. It works both ways. A good tip maybe that is also a good leadership skill is that managers and leaders should also, also show respect inward to their team because the other side are watching. And if you show respect to your people, the other side will think that you're a good leader. Again, this supports the fact that you are a valued partner. What do I mean by this? Natural Israeli tendency is a question is raised and an Israeli leader will raise his hand, motioning everyone to shut up, and then he'll talk about how great he is and the great things that he did. Instead, a good trick that I see others do is a question comes up and a leader will say, that's a very good question. I brought a great team with me. Hey, John. And then someone at the back stands up, this young junior person that just joined a month ago. Why don't you take this? But before you answer that, I want to tell you, John is a very smart guy that we just hired. Blah, blah, blah. And then John answers. And then the leader says, anyone else want to answer this? And at the end, the leader says, I will also add something. And of course, he will give a good perspective from a leader. The other side sees this. They respect this. They understand that this person shows respect, that he is modest, etc., etc. It shows so many good attributes, good values of this person which makes me feel that they're a good partner to work with. Wow. I feel like that's a good tip in general all the time for everyone, <laughs> like not just in an international setting. I agree. And but remember again that we are talking about a business of being effective in the communication. It's not that I'm educating here of how, how to be a good, a good leader. Right. But you are in a sense because it creates trust uh, amongst everyone, right? I, mean, I, I agree. I agree that the, the words trust and respect are critical in this line of business. Wow. Okay. Well, our time is up. I wish we could continue, but we're not going to continue today. Reuven, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure and 
super interesting talking with you. Thank you so much. I learned a lot from you. You see, I'm, I'm already implementing <laughs> what I said. You're walking the talk. But we're good friends and it's always great to meet you and talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.